Today we're going to continue on our series, The Blueprint. And uh, as we have gone through this, Pastor Mark has has, uh, laid the foundation. Talking about love, you've heard the sayings, love is a many-splendored thing. Love makes the world go round. Really, God does, but whoever wrote the song is making a lot of money (laughs) doing it. And what the world needs now is... There you go. Let's all sing together. <laughs> the younger ones are like, what? Don't know that song. Yeah, we, we say a lot of things about love. And love comes in so many forms. And as I have uh, learned in, in some of the counselings that I've done, and um, that love has a lot of different definitions. I've asked people, that's one of the things whenever I do premarital counselling, I always ask the couple, I said, what is the different, or what is the definition of love? I have not had two people, even two people that are getting married, give me the same definition twice. And the thing is, is what I have found is that your definition is because of how you were raised and who you are, your parents. And I I say we are a compilation of two things, our parents and our experiences. And so then when I ask, what is love, you all have a different definition. It could be similar, yes, but we say it in a different way. And so what does love mean to you? Chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians is where we're going to be today, if you want to turn there. We say a lot, when Jesus went away, he gave us the command to make disciples. He gave us the command to make disciples at the end of uh, Matthew. The way to do that is to have relationships and share your story, share his story of what God has done in your life and what Jesus Christ means to you. Then then equip them, come alongside them, help them to understand what this relationship is all about. When I first got saved, I was living over in Jacksonville, got saved in this church, and um, didn't have anybody to help me with that relationship because they didn't, I didn't know where I lived. I didn't know what the address was. Um, it just looked like Green Acres, and, and uh, I was just living there part-time. And uh, until I came over here and got involved with Oasis and in the church and learned to read my Bible and pray and learned what this discipleship is all about. We are just the vessels that God uses. And it's through the Holy Spirit that helps us to understand the blueprints for relationship. It's, it's not us. It's the Holy Spirit inside of us. We've been given the Holy Spirit to help us to know what others need, what we need. And we need the Holy Spirit in our life. The blueprint that we're using is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you'll stand with me, take out your Bible. You can use your iPhone, you can use your iPad, or you can look up here and use your eyeballs. So, (laughs) I didn't come up with that. 1 Corinthians chapter 17, 1 through 7 says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And if I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable 
or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us over the next few minutes. Father, touch me to bring this message. Father, not that I'm seen, but that you are seen. Help these to receive, that their ears and their hearts would receive, to help us with our relationships. Father, to understand that you have called us to make disciples, and the way to do that is to love as you first loved us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our title is The uh, Blueprint, uh, Life Under Construction. The foundation of relationships is love, is love. And it could be that you have a relationship where there is no love. It could be that you have one that there is just some love. But the foundation of relationships that God wants us to have is based on love. Pastor Mark, last week he shared on the differences of the, there's different names for love in the Bible. Eros, phileo, and agape. And agape means wanting the best for others. Wanting the best for others. And hopefully you do. Hopefully you want the best for others. Maybe those that you work with and maybe those that you live with and that you want them. And that's the thing that I have, I've learned in the last years of being in ministry is that it's not about me. It's about others and what I can do for others. So number one, love is kind. In verse 4, we see that love is kind. Pastor Mark talked about patience last week, and today I want to look at being kind. Because if you have love, you will be. The definition of kind or kindness means to be nice to another or to treat with respect. To treat with respect. But here in this verse, it's not talking about necessarily how I treat somebody so much as how I am inside that makes me treat somebody. Did you get it? It's not just, okay, I'm kind to this person. It's what's on the inside that causes me to treat them in a certain way. Take it a little bit deeper. You can say, oh, that person's kind. Yes. You can say, oh, that person's smart. There's lots of things that we can say about them, but it's what's on the inside of them that really is what comes out. And that's what we have to understand. It's talking about their character, the character of the person. It is what your nature is, is what you'll do. If you go outside of your house and you see this bush and it has thorns and it has these, uh, this flower with these petals on it and a few green leaves, you would say, that's a daisy, right? No. A thorn bush with petals and green, generally it's roses. And it's not going to change no matter if you call it something else. That is the character of the rose bush. This passage is talking about the inside of the person and what we need to do. That's why it's the blueprint. What is on the inside is what will be seen on the outside. And Scripture tells us that over and over again. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. His mouth speaks. What's on the inside is what's going to come out. 
It's what you put in is what's going to come out. If you feed the spiritual man inside of you, then the spiritual things are going to come out. If you feed the man on the inside, the things of the world, then that's what you have inside of him, inside of you, and that's the only thing that can come out. It's our nature to be kind to others. If we have love, we should have godly love that only he produces, that only God produces. In 1 Corinthians, our definition of what true love is, God loving us so that we can go and love somebody else. God was the one who started love. He's the one that has produced it. If we are a disciple, then we know that agape love is what is best for us to have for somebody else. That we want the best for somebody else. The thing is, is we can know all that but still not do it because we're not kind. We have to be kind. Not just to be kind, but that should be our nature. The way that we are in front of people, the same way that we are alone. The way that we are alone. You know the story of the Good Samaritan and great story that uh, the lawyer was asking him a question and... um, Jesus said, this is a story that will maybe help you to understand. In Luke chapter 10, behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test and saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you shall, you will live. But he desiring to justify himself, don't we all want to do that? Said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And who can I love? And how can I love him? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jericho, from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest religious leader, was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and he saw him, he passed on the other side. Now, here is two ministers who have seen this man half dead on the road, and they decide that they're going to pass him on by. Probably even scooted over, just going to walk around him, not wanting to have anything to do with him. But Jesus goes on. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him, and he bound his wounds, and he poured oil and wine. Then he sat him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn to take care of him. We see the Jewish priest walk by. We can see the Levite, the religious leader, who did the same thing. Didn't want to have anything to this man who was beaten, robbed, laying there. But a Samaritan walks by and he takes care of this man. And we would say, well, then what's the difference there? Well, if you know the history of the Jews and the Samaritans, they did not get along. And can I say, they hated each other with a passion. Their history tells them that, that there was times when the captivity was taking place, there was strife, there was hatred, 
There was anger towards one another. They would even walk around their land so that they didn't walk through Samaria, so that they didn't walk through Jerusalem, so that they didn't have to pass through where these people were. But here's a Samaritan that comes up, and he decides that he's going to help this man. Now, this is his, can I say, enemy? This is the one that he's been raised to hate, and yet he has compassion. He shows kindness to this man who has been beaten up and left alongside the road. I don't think it was the character of the Levite and the priest, but I do think it was the character of the Samaritan to stop in the help, to stop in the help. And I understand in today's society, it's gotten to a place I know years ago, if you saw somebody alongside the road and their car was broken down, probably most of us would have stopped and to see if we could help. But in t- today's society where people have had things done to them or whatever, and we see that that's just not the way to do things. And our nature is changing. There was one time when I was, I was headed down to, or over to St. Louis and when I lived in Columbia, Illinois, about five, ten-minute drive, and it was about five degrees outside. And this young man was um, walking on the highway, just had this thin leather coat on and, and uh, jeans, and I was like, and the wind was just whipping. Had to be below zero with the wind chill. And I was headed that direction anyways, and I'm like, should I pick him up? He's got long hair. I felt like God said, pick him up. So I did. I pulled over, and he came up, and I said, listen, I'm going up a couple of exits into St. Louis. I'll be glad to give you a ride as far as I'm going. And I said, at least you can get warm for a few minutes. thing was, he had been walking for a while because the, the last exit that he was coming from, he had to be out there for at least an hour. So I picked him up, and I gave him a ride, and I tried to share a little bit of Jesus in about the 10, 15 minutes that we had together and, and uh, made me feel good. And I was smart enough to take my wallet, stick it underneath the seat and my phone. And <laughs> he was a nice guy. Here's the thing. When he got out of the car, you know how you get out of the car? He, I'm sitting over here. He's got a big old knife sticking in his pants. <laughs> I said, thank you, Jesus that you allowed me to pick him up. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard. But it should be our nature to be kind to one another. To be kind to one another. Now, I, I really, like I said, I really felt it was God's will for me to pick him up, and so I knew that God would take care of me. And, and I'm not saying that you pick up everybody that, see, that you see along the road and stuff like that. But how do we help those that are around us? Are we kind to those around us? Those even that we know. Sometimes we're not. It was a part of the Samaritan's nature. Is that a part of our nature? Do others think that you're kind? Do they see that in your life? It's part of the blueprint. If you look at blueprints, you can see there's walls and there's stairs and there's rafters and all these different things. It's part of the blueprint. What does God think? Does he think that you're kind? Do we help others? Do we show kindness? Do we have love for others? 
I think it's a character trait that needs to be cultivated and needs to be worked on because sometimes it's not easy to be kind. There's just some people that, oh, they're a struggle. But those are the ones that God puts in our life to help us to build the relationships that we need to have. I know what you're thinking. I'm a nice guy. How can anybody be, you know, unkind to me? But it, it, it happens. It happens from time to time. Had one time I was working at Kay's Merchandise. Lady came in, and she asked for a piece of her jewelry and stuff. I went back. It wasn't ready. She got upset, wadded up a piece of paper, and yelled at me, throw it at me. And everybody in the store found out about this. What's going on with Paul Rose over there? Why is this lady getting mad at him? So the manager came over and said, why don't you just go in the back or do something? I'll take care of this. And he did. And I, really, I wasn't upset with her or anything like that. I'm like, I don't know what happened. She just blew up. And she had just gotten a ticket right before she walked into the store which the manager found out, and she took it out on me. Still loved her, still was being kind to her. I just knew that I couldn't help her anymore. So, how do we treat those sometimes who are unkind to us? I also believe a lot of it is taught by how you were raised, how others treated you during your life, and what you've caught from others. The Good Samaritan reached out with loving kindness to help this man. We live in a world full of hatred and division, but we as Christians should still have that relationship of kindness in our life. One way for the church to show love is to be kind, to reach out, to touch people, to help them, to invite them to come in, to let them see that we love them. This past week, we had the opportunity to go down to Coomler and, and uh, to feed the homeless and those who are less fortunate. We brought the food in and the meal. And I tell you what, if you want a ministry to serve people, see Stan and Sheila Vasek after service, and they go every week. These people are great people. To go down there and to minister to them and uh, to help those who maybe might not have had a meal if it wouldn't have been for Kumler being there and us going down and, and helping them. They don't dress necessarily like us and don't smell necessarily the greatest, but we show loving kindness to them. When you go on a missions trip, you go to sometimes places that their standards are not our standards. Their food doesn't taste like our food. But we go because God has called us to go. And you will see that you will fall in love with those people. I've been on about five mission trips. And the thing that I have found is when I left that place, I am so in love with those people because I got to know them. Whether it was the Philippines, Argentina, Africa, fell in love with the people. Like I said, they were different, but... Show a little loving kindness and you'll see what you'll get. Acts of kindness will lead to loving others. Now, you need to hold on. Sometimes, as I said, sometimes people are different. They don't act like us. They don't like us. You can see that in the news. 
when we say, listen, the Bible says this, and that's something that they are against, they'll say, well, they just don't want to accept this. It seems like that's a great word that we have in, in our society and culture today, acceptance. They want us to be accepting, and then sometimes they are not. Can you still love them? Can you still be kind to them? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is kind. Number two, love is not jealous. The Greek word is zilu, which means to set your heart on or to covet, to covet. Taking your interest and desire away from what you love and placing it on to another. We've probably all felt jealousy at some time or another in our life. Seeing a neighbor get a new, a new car, a new boat, a new swimming pool, whatever it happens to be. Maybe it's a new lawnmower. You know, I'm a little jealous of my neighbor's yard right now. He's been fertilizing and I haven't been keeping up like I should. We have to watch those things. Maybe dating when you were growing up or maybe dating now, you got jealous of another person. Jealous of someone's wealth. Jealousy. It's setting your heart on something that a lot of times you cannot have, that you cannot have. We can see in the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, God has given us a commandment, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. To want something more than you want what you already have can bring that jealousy or that, that covetousness on. James gives us a warning about being jealous in James chapter 3. Verses 13 through 16. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in meekness and of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Wow, that's pretty strong about being jealous, about watching those things. This is one of the things that I've learned from Pastor Mark that I, I, I learned years ago being on staff. And we were talking about maybe somebody being blessed on staff or something like that. And we were just kind of talking about it and I don't want to go into all the details, but we, it's kind of like, why did this person deserve that, or how did they get it? Or, and he said, you know, maybe God just knows that they need to be blessed right now with what they've got. In other words, Paul, don't be jealous about it. Let God work it out in their life. And if it's not what God has given unto them, then they're going to have to work that out themselves. This scripture is very strong. It is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. There will be disorder in every vile practice. We have to be very careful of jealousy. Love shouldn't bring jealousy. Love should bring the best that we want for somebody else. And hopefully you've worked through that. Maybe you struggled with that in the past. Maybe you still do. How do you deal with your jealousy? Most people have heard the statement, the grass is always greener on the other side. Sometimes it's not. 
my neighbor looking at my yard. No, it's not. <laughs> Sometimes when you get what you really want and you're jealous of, you find out, no, that's not what I want. You know, I see some cars on the road that, man, I'd love to have. Can't afford them. And I know once I get them, I still can't afford them. I just can't go down and get a regular oil change. I have to get the supreme oil change. Why do they sell this premium gasoline? Not for my car. For those cars. Got to pay a little bit extra. Sometimes when we get what we want, it's not the right thing. It all started with Adam and Eve. It began in the garden. In Genesis chapter 2, it says, The Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden and work out work it, and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. One simple command, one simple tree put right in the middle of the garden. Do not eat, don't touch it. Just kind of walk around it. Everything was okay. Sounds simple, right? As I read earlier, the work of the devil is to distract you from the true mission that you have, and that's to love one another. But the devil came along, the sly one, and he tempted. He made him jealous. Let's look in Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of all the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat, eat, it, eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6, so when the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, what happened? She coveted this tree. She wanted it. The snake deceived her. She took of its fruit and she ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Wow. Jealousy got the best of her. That covetousness got the best of her, and she took of it. And then when it happened, what happened? Their eyes were open, and all of a sudden things changed. She got what she really thought she wanted. And it wasn't what she thought that she really wanted. Then sin enters into the world, still desiring the things of the world instead of a closer relationship with God. Listen, if you walk with God, God will help you with your relationship. He'll give you the things that you need. And sometimes he gives you the things that you want. Gives you the things that you want. But we have to be careful. Luke chapter 16, verse 13 says that we can't serve two masters for we will love the one and hate the other. We are to love and serve God, not be jealous of the things of this world. 
They will pass away. If you want to be jealous, be jealous of God, the things that he has for us. Don't let the devil take your eyes off of what is really important in this lifetime. And that is being a servant of God and making disciples. Jesus himself, our example of how to live. Jesus was tempted to covet. It's taken up, high mountain. And the devil says, listen, if you just bow down to me, you can have all of this. And he said, no. That's a lot. Jesus said no. Your relationship with God is the most important thing in your life. More than money, a boat, bigger house, neighbors, wives, those things that would lead your heart away from God. If we love our neighbors, the Bible tells us that we should be happy for them. Listen, if my neighbor gets a boat, I'm really happy for him. I'm going to ask him to take me out. Yes, and I don't have to pay for the insurance and the upkeep and everything else. You can keep your boat. Take me out every once in a while. Be happy for them. Love is not jealous. Be happy for others that they have things. Pray for them that they're walking in God. Number three, love does not boast. It means to have an arrogant talk or to brag. True love wants the best for others. For everyone loves me, love means something different, as I've said. Love has many meanings. And sometimes we get a little boastful in that. We were all created. God sustains us each and every day, gives us the air to breathe, gives us rain and more rain and more rain and snow again tonight. I guess he knows that we need that. In 1 John, it says that God is love. God is love. Now, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I, I am proud of my kids, and, and I do brag on them and, uh, because they deserve it. And, uh, you know, I, it's because I love them. I love them. But be, be careful of those things that we do brag on. Not showing love. Not showing love. Hey, my new boat. You like it? Now we're bragging. My new Lamborghini. You like it? Yeah, I'm glad you got that. <laughs> There's places you can't go around town because the curbs are too high. I don't see God bragging about all the things that he does for us. I don't see God bragging about all the things that he does for us. When we love, God helps us. When we love, God helps us. And when we love, we'll want to be giving. We'll want to be caring. We want to be kind, not jealous. Do you love your family? Then you give. Friends? You give of your time. You give other things. What about God? Your time, your finances, your life? How can we love and not do something? Maybe we don't love in some areas. We just shouldn't be boastful about it, the things that we have done. 
Be careful. In Psalms chapter 20, it says, Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the, with the saving strength of his right hand. Some boast in chariots and some in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. Let's boast in what God has done in our life. Not about our life, what God has done in our life. Boast is used 77 times in the Bible, 33 times in the Old Testament, 44 times in the New Testament, and in 1st and 2nd Corinthians, 28 times. I think the Corinthian church had a little problem. They had a little problem. We are to love and we are to share the love of God. Don't boast in this world. I was talking to somebody this morning as we were standing out there and shaking hands and we were talking about the weather and the changing and this is all God getting ready for the end. It says that things are going to change. Things are going to change. Don't boast in the things of this world. There's nothing here that is worth hanging on to to give up your eternal life, to give up salvation, to give up going to heaven. There is absolutely nothing in this world that's worth it. And I've done a lot of funerals. I've never seen anybody take that stuff with them. In 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 13, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love, nope, the one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this the love of God was manifest in us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, what? God abides in us. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us, given us of his Holy Spirit. If we love one another, God abides in us. And sometimes that's the only thing that we have when we run into sometimes these people that are unlovable. I know it's, it's only the, the power of the Holy Spirit for me to just be their friend. God has given us a blueprint for love. Just like the builder goes and, and he reads those blueprints, it's not something that they get one time, they look at it, and then they throw it over in the corner. No, if you know how carpentry is done and how they build houses and buildings and all those different things, when somebody has a blueprint, they look at them and 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 look at them. I know. Dan's got a set in his office every once in a while. In fact, I think it was this last week he had them on his table, and they were looking at something. 
They pull them out. They want to make sure. Because if you don't get it just right, you'll mess up the rest of the building. Like the instructions that come with whatever you're trying to put together. If you open up the box and say, oh, instructions, who needs those? I can do this. And you end up with three screws and two bolts and, you know, whatever at the end. Oh, they must have been extra parts. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> there was some person who worked long and hard on those instructions so that you could put it together and it would work just right. God has given us these blueprints and he has worked hard for us to just throw them away. For us to just throw them away. So I have a challenge. I have two challenges for you this week. I'm going to up Pastor Mark. Do what he said last week, and that's read 1 Corinthians 13 every day. And then number two, put it into action. Do some random act of kindness for somebody. Can you do that? Do some random act of kindness, kindness that maybe they don't know about it, you just do it. You buy the food of the person in McDonald's line or whatever, or you pay somebody's bill, or do some random act of kindness. Go out of your way. Help somebody. The thing is, see how you are after you do that. See how you feel. I'm, I'm sure that you'll like it. That should be our nature, that we help one another, that we do things for other people. I'm going to ask you to stand. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just help us. Help us to understand this blueprint that you've given unto us in 1 Corinthians. Father, and I pray that we would love one another. Father, not just those that are easy to love, but Father, those also who are unlovable. And help us to understand that the devil is wanting to destroy that. He wants to come in and deceive, deceive, to make us jealous, to make us see that it's not, a, an, it's not in your blueprint. Father, I pray that you would help us. If there's any here today who are jealous, Father, unkind, who have been wanting something that somebody else has, that you would just help them to see that, bring that conviction. So every head remains bowed. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God. You came in, maybe somebody brought you this morning, and you have never, as we call accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you've never asked him to come and live in your heart. You've never asked God to forgive you of your sins. I did that 37 years ago, sitting in a chair just like you are, and I felt this tug on my heart that I needed to change my life. There was a time just like this. Pastor asked those to raise their hand, and I raised my hand and came down to the altar afterwards. If you're here this morning and, and you feel like God is tugging on your heart this morning, and you want to give your heart over to God. 
just going to ask you to raise your hand right where you are so I can acknowledge it. You can put it right back down. Is there any here today? Is there any here today? You'd raise your hand. You want Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask the prayer teams if they'll come down front. God is love. This week, be challenged to be kind, to love, not be jealous. Do a random act of kindness for somebody this week. See what it does to you. Because it will it'll touch your heart. These are down here this morning. If you have a prayer request, maybe a healing, a financial situation you're going through, whatever it happens to be, they want to pray with you. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, agreeing, it's touching anything, it shall be done. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you really want prayer this morning for salvation. As Danny closes with the song, just going to ask that you come down and let them pray for you this morning.